is a pain. Right? I mean, money is just kind of painful for us to think about for all of us. But today we're going to see a group of Christians from thousands of years ago who flipped the script on the pain of money, who turned it upside down and turned it into something else. And that is so important. That is so important uh, in this season as we're in the middle of the four campaign to build some new facilities for children, uh, renovate some facilities for students, some more parking, because our goal, 17 million, whew, that's, that's painful. That's a lot. Right? That, that's a lot to all of us. And, and this is so important because even if we weren't in the middle of this campaign, even if, we weren't, even if we weren't building anything, even if we weren't constructing anything, this message would be so important for every single one of us because what we're going to see is that this has so little to do with a budget or a construction. It has so much to do with our hearts. And that's why it's relevant to every single one of us because we deal with money every single day of our lives. And so if you are new today to Mountaintop, you're watching online for the first time, thank you for welcoming us into your homes or wherever you're watching from. If you're new today, you're like, oh, great, I walked into the church and we're in the middle of a campaign, right? What I want to tell you is that this is so relevant to every single one of us, and I hope you will lean into that because, uh, because we've got a big Sunday coming up for those that are part of our church family, March 5th, next week. We're asking anyone that considers themselves part of our family to fill out a commitment card, to make a pledge for this campaign. But today, it, today is about in here. But to get there, we got to work through the pain pinch points of money. And money is so painful, we need two preachers to describe it. So, my name is Carter McInnes. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm welcomed on the stage today by Ben Cathy, who is our executive pastor. Absolutely. Good morning. Hey, you know, the, the first time I spoke about money, it was way less than $17 million. But as a young pastor, I stepped forward, I, I, I approached the text, I spoke about money, and I want you to know it was painful because I was bashful, I was shy, I was apologetic, and afterward it was painful when sweet, well-intentioned people came up to me and they said, Pastor, that was pretty good, but... You don't need to be so apologetic when you talk about that. And, and it was just, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. When you're young in ministry, it's so hard, and no, no preacher like is like, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I get to talk about money. It, it, it's, it's personally painful, too, because the reason that there's, there's a personal pain points for money is because it's real, it's tangible. None of us feel like we have enough of it. How many of you would turn down a raise for your boss tomorrow morning? Just like, I don't need any more. I'm good. All right, anybody? Ben, you? No. Okay. <laughs> we don't have a meeting scheduled for the morning. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> none of us would. Here's the thing about money that's so different is that if I would to say today, like, hey, I want you to give God more of your heart. You'd be like, I'm all in. I want you to trust God more. Yeah, God can have more of my trust. I want you to put more faith in God. I'm all in. I want a faith. Because you and me, because we sort of feel like we have an unlimited supply of heart, trust, and faith. But I have an app on my phone that tells me exactly how much money I have. 
Right? I don't have like a trust app on my phone. How much more trust do I have to give? But I have an app. It is a limited resource. It, it has decimal points. So there is a point of pain of tangibly seeing that number go down if I give God more. And if you are like just been living in the world, all of us feel like we have a little less of it yeah, lately. It's, it's definitely become more limited lately, right? I mean, that's part of the pain. In fact, if you were paying attention to your net worth in 2022, it probably went down during 2020. Now, maybe you're back whole now. Maybe you're still working on it. But beyond that, if, you, if you're not paying attention to that, then, then you know that we're living through some of the highest inflation numbers in a couple of decades. Yep. I mean, um, first of all, it was lumber. Like, lumber went up, we're not going to be able to build anything, and then used cars. It's like, I can get more for my used car than my new one, right? And, and, and then just other things. I mean, uh, going out to eat, clothing went up. In fact, I just want to ask, have anybody checked the price of apples lately? I mean, groceries? I mean, now, now I have to admit, this is the gold standard of apples. This is an organic Honeycrisp apple that at Publix costs $3.45. It's like 50 cents a bite. Does anybody want it? Does anybody? I, want, I really want it. There we go. Yay. All right. Good catch. Good catch. Good catch. Very good. And then have you checked the price of eggs lately? I mean, these eggs right here, again, Publix, were $5.69. Throw those I, out. You, you want, anybody yeah. want them? Yeah. Anybody? <laughs> you ready? Ready? Okay. We won't do that. But, hey, I will, I will bring them. I will bring them. Hey, yeah. Carter, I just want you to know, I refuse to get the $9 carton of eggs. Uh, uh, yes. These are, okay. But no. it's painful to go to the grocery store. Our experience also creates points of pain when it comes to money. Right? We, we, especially when it comes to the church. Because we've seen uh, money mishandled, misappropriated. We've seen preachers with jets right? Somebody gave me a paper airplane after church, the first service, and said, here's your church jet. <laughs> That's about all we can afford here. Uh, we, we try to use it better. But you, you've probably seen that. You, you've, listen, and, and you're like, I don't know. I've seen it so mishandled. I've seen just kind of swindling happen, and I get it. My home church, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, had two different staff members embezzle money over about a 10-year period. And as a teenager, I was thinking, hey, who's watching the money? Like, like I, it, gives, it gives us skepticism, cynicism to give to the church when something like that happens. I was just reading this week in AL.com. There was a church in Foley, Alabama, had a, a staff member who had been a part of the church for over 12 years, and had, they found they embezzled over $200,000 from the church. And when you see stories like that, and maybe you have lived a story like that, it raises our skepticism, raises our cynicism. Ben... Have you ever experienced that? You know, Carter, I, I, I've never experienced, like, somebody stealing money from the church, but I mean, folks stealing. Like, we had a trailer stolen one time, yeah. and one time we had a, another trailer stolen that had chairs in it, and that was, that was pretty painful. But I'll tell you about something at Mountaintop recently. Uh, we got a box of six little bottles of watered-down pine saw and a bill for $487. And I'm so thankful our, our maintenance and financial folks said, no. We, I mean, we, 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 
discovered where it came from. It came from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and some company was just trying to, to pull a fast one over us and get this to be processed through our billing department, and we, we pay them for this. So, so I don't even know if it's real. The, the, the top didn't click, but this is a fake bottle of $80 pine saw that we didn't pay for, and I just want to know if anybody wants this this morning. Yeah, there we saw. go. <laughs> that might be more valuable than the apple uh, or the <laughs> eggs. That's good stuff. But let's not pretend that only happens in church. Bernie Madoff, Enron, some of you are old enough to remember that. Countless government officials who have misappropriated money. The bottom line is that sometimes there tends to be funny business when it comes to money. And that increases our tension when even thinking about it, and especially having a conversation about it. And we're going to see the Apostle Paul kind of feel that tension as he leans into a conversation in 2 Corinthians 8. So that's where we're going to be. If you've got your Bibles, you want to land there. If you've got your app open and you just want to, you want to open it up there if you're at home, if you don't have one, take one at our bookshelves when you leave. But this is what he says. You can feel the tension building. He's had conversations. This is a beautiful letter. At the very beginning of the letter, he talks about the new covenant in Christ. Then he talks about the resurrection life on earth and in heaven. And then he has this beautiful section where if you've been around church for a minute, you've probably heard he talks about our reconciliation in Christ where he says that we have been reconciled through Christ and now we have been given the spirit of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ ambassadors for the world. It is a beautiful passage. And then he has a point of pride where he's so proud of their repentance because he wrote them a previous letter, 1 Colossians, 1 Corinthians. And the first one had some tough love in it. But he has gotten reports that they have obeyed, they have repented, they have turned from their ways. And he, he's so proud of them. He says he has over, overflowing joy because of their repentance. And then look at how he starts. And now, like, hey, like, okay, I've encouraged you. We've talked theology. We've talked spiritual. But now we need to have a conversation about, about money. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, the Macedonian churches was a group of churches in the Macedonia region. Most likely, uh, the church in Philippi, we've got a letter to them called Philippians. Uh, most likely, the church in Thessalonica, we've got two letters to them called First and Second Thessalonians. And most likely, the church in Berea, which we don't have a letter for, but we know if you read the book of Acts, Berea was one of the places that, that Paul went and he talked to. And he, and he says, now we need to have this conversation. And there's this tension about what this conversation is going to be like. And we have that tension when it comes to money. Because we think money is just a thing. And Paul says, no, it is a spiritual thing. And we've talked about money a lot in this series. And this vision, let's be clear, it won't come to fruition without all of us joining together in generosity. But Paul says money is not just about a dollar amount that you give. Our resources, our possessions are inextricably linked to our faith. They, they, are, they are tied to our relationship with God. You can't get them away. And there is a group of people who have flipped the script on money being a point of pain to being something 
better. And it makes me ask the question, how do we, how could we do that? How do we move from pain to privilege in giving? How could money not be something that we're like, ugh, to be something, what a privilege that I get to be a part of this? I want to introduce you to a couple, Chad and Heather Miller, before we dig into the rest of the passage about how they've wrestled with this becoming a privilege in their own lives. Well, I'm, I'm Chad Miller. This is my wife, Heather. Um, we've been at Mountaintop for about 20 years, and we're more excited than we've ever been, I think, um, as members of Mountaintop. Um, we believe in the mission of inviting and equipping people to follow Jesus. Um, we've also been in the nursery for over 15 years, so we see where the need is mostly. Um, our church is expanding, we have plenty of room, but we don't have room to put all the children. Uh, so we know that's a, that's a significant need. Serving in the nursery and seeing the new families coming, um, just noticing uh, so many more new, new children, um, it's just been such a blessing for Chad and I to do that. Um, and we want to have a wonderful, beautiful facility to welcome those families. Um, so initially we're, we're both very analytical people um, so we sat down at this table right here and we just had a had a conversation about um, budget really we're, we're also both commissioned salespeople so it's a little bit more of a difficult conversation for us because our income is not the same every month um, but we sat down and we talked it through and we came up with a number fairly easily that we were comfortable and then, you know, continuing to pray through that, um, realizing that if it's something that we're comfortable with, is that really enough? And feeling if we're just comfortable, are we really relying on our faith? There are always times where you can feel, you know, God speaking to your heart. And that's the one thing um, that we didn't feel after coming up with the first number. It didn't, you know, usually you feel excited about giving and that feeling didn't come after we came up with the first number. Um, and that's when we sat down again and started talking about it. And we actually had those, those same feelings independently. And it was when we came back together and talked about it again that we decided to try and stretch it a little bit. What can God do if we stretch ourselves and relying on Him, having faith in Him, um, to, to take what he's given us and seeing the blessings that can come through that. There are multiple ways that we get to serve. Um, obviously we can serve at the church, we serve in the nursery. Um, and you know, some, some days are super easy and exciting, some days are a little bit more challenging. But regardless of how the day went, we always leave feeling like we got more out of it than we put into it, which is the amazing thing that God does through our service. Um, we also get the opportunity to serve through our tithe and all our forms of giving. Um, and that feels good. It feels good to know that the gifts that God has given us, that we can turn around and, and put those back into play and that we can allow Him to take those gifts and do what only He can through them. We think the opportunity is, is awesome and, uh, and we're excited about the FOUR campaign. Big thanks to Chad and Heather for sharing a part of their story and how they've made a decision. And, and the, the question uh, we're asking this morning is how, does we, how do we take the pain of money 
and turn it into a privilege. And we're going to walk through uh, the first part of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in there we find that, that Paul, the writer of, of that letter, is, is giving us that advice of how we do that. And he, he lifts up um, a, a certain church or group of churches as he does that. And he, he, he lifts up in verse 2 um, the Macedonian church. And, and he says this. He says, in the midst of very severe trial, pain, their overflowing joy, privilege, and their extreme poverty, pain, welled up into rich generosity. Let's, let's say a little something about, about those, those, those churches real quick and sort of have a, a, a little bit of a, a, a map of what was going on here. Uh, in this section, Paul's referring to three different groups of people, three different churches, if you will. The first one is the Macedonian churches. He, he is lifting them up as the example. He's saying that in their pain, they found privilege. And, and, and then he's talking about how the Macedonian church is giving to the Jerusalem church, not the city of Jerusalem or the government of Jerusalem, but the Christians in Jerusalem who were even worse off than the Macedonians. And, and we believe that the Corinthians, by the way, were, were best off in this group. But today, when we talk about trial and poverty, it's nothing like what these folks were experiencing. You see, in, in our world, poverty, for example, in any, almost any community except for uh, small groupings, um, our poverty rate is about 3 to 6% in any community. In their world, that would have looked more like 70-plus percent of people were just having a hard time making it to the next day and the next week. And so they, they, they found privilege in the midst, and, and they found out um, how to move forward with that. Now we find in, in the following verses the attitude, the heart, the vibe of how the Christians in the Macedonian church turned giving from a pain into a privilege. So let's look at verse 3 together. And in verse 3, I want to say in, in, in the discussion guide that came with our campaign packet, maybe you've opened and looked at it, there are three values in there. And it seems that the, the, these sort of pop out to me as I, as I read through this. And that first value is stewardship. And so Paul says, for I testify that they, the Macedonians, gave as much as they were able. So we're stewards. We just give from what we have. And, and, and we give that in response to God, right? And then he says, and even beyond their ability. The second value in that discussion, God, is sacrifice. That, that we're all in, that we don't give equally, but we can give equally, sac sacrificially equally. And we can give out of what we have. And then he continues, entirely on their own. And that third value is joy. That we would give voluntarily and as a response to God. And so um, Paul says, and they, and look at this, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And guess what else they did? They exceeded our expectations. They exceed our expectations, big colon. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Well, let's talk about that for just a moment. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. 
Uh, it's really, so, so what Paul's saying is these folks did not give to gain status. They gave because they believed in the work of God. They did not give to impress Paul or anyone else. They gave to God. And, and, and you know, when we, we talked about this campaign, we said, hey, um, we have this vision for raising funds, and we're calling it a one-fund campaign because there were two buckets. There's a ministry bucket that makes up this one fund, and then there's a construction bucket that makes up this one. But we're giving, everything we give, we're giving toward a vision, a vision to be for one, one more changed life because of Jesus, a vision to be for families, one more changed home, a vision to be for Birmingham. And so the, the reason we're venturing forward with this goal is because of the vision for people. You see, it's not to impress. It's not about status. And it's certainly not about what anybody else would do. Now, Paul continues in verse 6. And um, he, he, he switches gears a little bit. Because in verse 6, he, he stops lifting up the, the Macedonian church and he begins speaking directly to the Corinthian church. And he says, here's what these people have done. Now, Corinth, here's what I want you to do. And so in verse 6, he says, um, so he urged Titus. Titus was like the associate pastor in Corinth. And he says, so he urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So Titus, this act of grace on your part. But since, Titus, you and church, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So Paul's sending a very clear message to the, the church in Corinth. And um, I, I, liken it, I liken it to this a little bit. There was a time in my life when I excelled at running. I was pretty good at it. I could run a long distance. I could run pretty fast. In fact, sometimes I talked about my running powers. It was like a superpower, right? But there was a motivation and there was some ability and some tools behind that running. So the first thing I had about that, that running was, was a motivation. My motivation was twofold. One, I wanted to lose weight. And over about two years, two and a half, I lost 50 pounds. And that was my beginning motivation for running. I know that's a lot of weight, isn't it? That's a lot of potatoes. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to do, my other motivation, was to beat a guy named Tommy. Because Tommy was older than me, and there's no way Tommy should have beat me in a race. And so I trained with, partly with the motivation to beat Tommy in the next race. But also got all the equipment. People think running's cheap. It's not. You have the shoes. You have the GPS watch. You have the fancy shorts. You have those little sleeves you pull over your calves. You have the running earbuds you put in your ears. So I had the equipment. And then I had some knowledge. I started to gain knowledge about running. I learned about long runs and, and short runs and a speed workout and, and an easy run and how to mix those into a week and how to taper before a race. And I learned about this thing called a, a fartlek run, and, and that means sprinting. Um, and I learned about recovery, and I learned about eating, and I learned about stretching. But it's like Paul says here to the Corinthian church, 
you have all that stuff. You have the motivation, you have the equipment, you have the knowledge. Now go run the race. Now go run the race. Paul says, Corinth, you have great faith. Corinth, you have great speech and speakers. Corinth, you have great knowledge. Corinth, you have great earnestness and you have great love. Now excel also in the grace of giving. Corinth, go run your race. And I just, I just say this. Um, I've gotten to watch uh, the ministry of us over these last couple of years. And there's great faith here. There's great faith among the people who call Mountaintop Church home. There's great love. There's, there's, there's great speech. There's great knowledge. And I wonder if God might be telling us, Mountaintop, now go run your race. Excel also in this area. Excel also in giving. But Paul doesn't stop there. He speaks to the Corinthians. He also speaks of a test. And Carter's going to share more about that. Yeah, and what he says next is really pointed. And if I'm honest, it makes me a little uncomfortable. But just because I'm uncomfortable doesn't mean I don't need to hear it. Listen to what he says. I'm not commanding you. I'm not telling you you have to do this. Right? Nothing feels worse than being coerced into giving somebody money, right? I'm not commanding you. I, I'm, I'm not going to make you feel bad of this. But here's what I want to do, and this is the part that's really uncomfortable for me. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. This is a test. And I want to test, Paul says, the sincerity of your faith, the sincerity of your love. We would like to think that our money is just a thing. It's just some numbers in an account. It's just cash in my wallet. It's just the, the worth beside, behind my assets. Paul said it is not just a thing. It is linked to your faith. It is tied to your faith. And he wants to see, he wants to see if they have, if they have what's real behind their faith. Our motivation to give, Paul says, is because what God has given us in Jesus Christ. And they have good reason above all others to know the worth of what God gave in Jesus. He says, for you know, you guys know, you Corinthians, we'll come back to that, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know more than anybody else our motivation to give for the Corinthians or for us, Paul says, isn't the amount of money you have, isn't the resources you have, isn't your income, isn't how many dollars you have. The reason is because you are not rich in possessions because you are rich in mercy and grace and forgiveness. And Paul says you Corinthians should know that better than anybody else. If you've heard me talk about Corinth before, then uh, you know that I, I explained them. They were like Vegas of their day 2,000 years ago, right? I know y'all pretend like y'all don't know what Las Vegas is because y'all in church. How many of you been to Vegas before? You're like, am I supposed to raise my hand in church? Vegas even has a saying, and everybody knows it, right? What happens in Vegas? Stays in Vegas. 
But 2,000 years ago, if you'd have been in the Greek world and you would have said, this weekend I'm going to live like, and everybody would have said, a Corinthian. And that means you're going to get lit that weekend. Right? You're going to live it up. You're going to party. It is going to be a weekend of drunken revelry and just, I mean, out all night because that's what the Corinthians did. And all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul comes to Corinth and he shares about the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, which is even strong enough to forgive Corinthian sin. Paul said, there is no other group on planet Earth that knows the riches and the glory of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You, above all people, ought to be motivated to give, not because you have a lot of money, because you have been given richly of his grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. And so the question for all of us to ask then, does the grace of Christ gives inspire you to give to Christ? Does the grace Christ gives inspire you to give to Christ? Because that is our motivation. That is why this is not a financial issue. This is a faith issue. And I want to tell you something. If you give to this campaign just to help meet this goal, and it is all about dollar signs, and it is all about meeting a goal, then I have failed as your pastor. Because when it comes to our money, it is always tied to our faith. Because our primary motivation, and my hope of this, is that every single one of us through this process would say, I have been inspired to give because of what Christ has done for me and in me. That's why we should give. All my life, all my heart, all my worship. That is the gospel, that Christ has died for us, forgiven us, that he gives us new life through the resurrection. And though I could never repay it, if you gave all 17 million of this, if you gave your entire income and every asset you have, you know this, you could never repay for what God has given us in Jesus Christ. It's not about that. It's about saying, Lord, all I have is yours. How can I invest in what you're doing so other people would know that same grace and forgiveness. But if you're like me, I'm like, I'm in. Like, because do you have a little Corinthian sin to forgive? I do. And so I'm like, like I, you can have it all. I want to know, you, you know. But this is a legitimate question. How much is enough? Because I still got to eat. Still got to pay bills, still got to live life. So how much is enough? And that's a question that we wrestle with and struggle with. Absolutely. In fact, I would say that it's one of the main questions we're all probably wrestling with, and especially this week as uh, next Sunday comes. And, um, you know, we've had some folks already wrestle with this question. And uh, four weeks ago, we announced some lead givers uh, pledged uh, about two point, a little over $2.4 million already pledged toward this. And then some folks over the last three or four weeks have said, you know, hey, I'm ready. I don't need to wait till March 5th. And uh, they've added to that. And so they've, they've already pledged uh, over $2.8 million toward yeah. the campaign so far. And one of those folks uh, wrote me uh, 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 an email. And uh, I just want to share a little bit of their, their story with you. They said, um, they said, as I've been praying about my monthly campaign commitment, I was struggling with the amount. And they said, I was struggling because I'm a commissioned worker and my monthly income sometimes varies greatly. And when I looked at, at my giving, I, was, um, I made a safe 
pledge amount based on the fluctuations of that commitment giving. And then they write, at the moment I was filling out my pledge card, I felt the Spirit ask me, are you going to trust me? I was looking to round down my commitment to be safe, but I felt the Spirit say, hey, I'm a round-up God, not a round-down God. And pastor, you can use that. Okay, I did. Um, (laughs) They write, um, wow, I immediately rounded up my commitment, stared at the figure that was larger than I was comfortable with, and prayed for my faith. Later that night, I discussed this with my wife, and she was 100% in. And then they add, we are trusting in God and our own board. Um, What a great story. I would say, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, But Carter, all of our decisions are going to be different. Absolutely. We're all in different places. I mean, um, God is going to speak to each of us and touch us in different ways. This is the way God touched one person. Um, But God um, also touched someone to uh, say, uh, hey, I think you, you might have made a mistake in the campaign brochure. And as we move forward in this passage in, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, I want to I point out this mistake to you. Now, let me say this, Carter. I mean, you, you proved it. I proved it. I we had it. five, six pairs of eyes. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think you can find many mistakes in all of the campaign material. But, but just in case there was unclarity, there's lack of clarity, yeah. this proves we're not perfect. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're not, <laughs> so we're not there perfect. There were many other reasons to know that, but this is one of them. Well, let's see if you can find the mistake. So it's on page 17 of the main campaign brochure, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. It says this in the campaign brochure. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one does not have. Anybody find the mistake? There's an, there's an extra word. We shouldn't have the word not in there. Isn't that isn't that? It like totally changes the meaning of that verse. Now let's back up a little bit and look at verse 10 and see how this verse uh, flows out of that. So verse 10, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. So we just asked the question, how much, right? What is best for you in this matter? Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. He continues, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And then the kicker. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. You see what happened in our desktop publishing right there? You see, the message here is we give according to what we have. And we all have different ability to give. In fact, we all have different zeros in our accounts, right? In fact, I've had uh, several people say, hey, Ben, I just want you to know, if I win the lottery, it's covered, right? And especially they were looking at this last big lottery. Does anybody know how much this last big lottery was? It was $2.04 billion. What if you won that lottery? After all the taxes and you paid off all the relatives you didn't know you had, 
what if you won that lottery? It changes the meaning of this verse. Because Paul doesn't say according to what one does not have. He says we give according to what we do have. So all of a sudden, if I win that lottery and I have over a billion dollars in the bank, I imagine Paul's going to say, 17 million? It says give according to what you have, not what you don't have. But most of us aren't in that place, are we? Some of us are in the place with one zero. In fact, today may be a little painful because you're like, ah, I got one zero. You don't understand. I've been there. A lot of us have two zeros or three or four or five, but it doesn't matter how many zeros we have. Well, actually, it does matter how many zeros we have. It doesn't matter how many zeros everybody else has. It matters how many zeros we have. So the question is, how many zeros do you have? Not somebody who won the lottery. Not the person sitting in front of you or behind you on the other side of the room or your neighbor down the street. What is your ability? That's where Paul leads us. Yeah, the thing, the reason I love what Paul says that this is according to what you have about what do you have? If you're a teenager working a part-time job, I think Paul would say, well, then let's talk about what you have. What's your part in it? If you're single income, what's your part in it? You're double income, you're near retirement, you're living on a fixed income in retirement, everybody's in a different spot. It, it doesn't matter what spot you're in, Paul says. This is about testing the sincerity of our faith according to what the Lord has placed before us. And so the question that we should ask then is, are we willing to give from what we have? I'm not like, man, I wish I could give as much as him or her or I wish I'd had that billion dollars. You're not going to be judged. I'm not going to be judged. I'm not going to, it's not, it's not going to be tested, the sincerity of my faith, according to someone that has a billion dollars. It's going to be attested toward the sincerity of faith to what I have. Are we willing to give from what we have? So next week, March 5th, I, I'm asking you, to fill out one of these commitment cards, if you consider Mountaintop your home, you want to be part of what God's doing here, to prayerfully consider about how you might give according to what you have. And the first box, Ben, is pretty simple. It's kind of what they're already doing, right? Absolutely. And, and we just wanted to take a moment today to be pretty granular with this so that we can all understand. That first box on here is, we just take an estimate of what our yearly giving might be, our annual giving. So, that's what we give a month. So if we give $10 a month times 12, that's $120, right? If we give $10,000 a month times 12, that's $120,000. That's what that box is for. Yep. There's a second box, though. The second box is how much might you accelerate your giving over the next three years? Meaning how much more a year, how much more a month? Think about that you might invest so that we might get to this goal, so that I want to give extra to God because God has given more than extra to me. And now listen, my family, we're praying through this, thinking about this. we got some important discussions to have this week with my boys. And can I just tell you, I get it. I have four teenage boys. That's a lot of eggs, right? I get it. There are expenses. But the question is just, all, I, all the Lord is going to ask of me is, Carter, what do you have? What can you do with what you have? And so you put that in there, and you multiply that times, uh, times 12, and that's going uh, to give you that, that gift for there. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. And, and 
One, one thing about this, and we'll look at that last box in a second, is that this is our accelerated giving annually for three years. And the reason we're using the term accelerated is because when we give, we're not separating ministry from construction. You see, they're both part of the goal. They're both part of the mission. They're both part of the vision. We believe that the best way, one of the best ways we can be four one, four families in four Birmingham is with the construction of a new facility and with some updates around our campus. But this last, uh, last box is the quick start gifts box. And so we're inviting, um, inviting you uh, with your pledge to also pledge a quick start gift that will help us get off to a great start. And we're inviting you to bring that. We're inviting you to bring the pledge card on March 5th, but you're inviting you to make that quick start gift on March 12th and uh, help us just run into this future um, with great confidence. And um, so we invite you to do that as well. Um, let me say this. This is one fund. You get really down in the weeds just a little bit. If you go to our website right now and you give to Mountaintop Church, your choice is four slash general one fund because that's how we're approaching what we're doing. So if, if um, you're a giver or you plan to give anything at Mountaintop over the next three years, you will be so helpful if you will turn in a pledge card and let us know what that gift looks like. You see, in a couple of weeks... Um, our board, our leaders, we're going to meet, we're going to look at our pledges, we're going to look at our future, and we're going to make some really strategic decisions about where we're headed and what we can do. Maybe we'll do a little less, maybe we'll do a little bit more, and um, we should, really would appreciate it, wherever you're at. Because a lot of people say, like, well, hey, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm giving as much as I can, we're already sacrificially given, and I, I'm not going to be able to step it up anymore the next three years, so I don't need to fill out a commitment card. No, we, we need to just put that on there. Just put what you're already giving because what you're already giving is the 10.5 million bucket is our ministry bucket that's already a part of it. Absolutely. And the second thing I would ask is this. This is the challenge I want to leave you with to pray over this week. On the back of that card is kind of a chart that really tells the story of our church. We're all in different spots. That's okay. I want you to find where you're at. And could you say... How can I take a step up? I, I get it as a dad of four boys playing sports and the whole deal. And, and sometimes you might say, I, do, I just don't know if I can give any more a month. Well, you might not can give a lot a month. But you think you could go to Chick-fil-A one less time a week? Like instead of investing in God's chicken, invest in God's church. And maybe 10 bucks a week is all you can do extra. But if 100 people do 10 bucks a week extra, well, God starts to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine and more than we can do individually. This is really what matters. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. That's what God wants. That's my heart and my prayer for this. Will there be a huge celebration if we meet this goal? Absolutely. There will be a huge celebration when we have the grand opening and put those babies in their new nursery and those preschool kids in their new wing. There will be a huge celebration when we have food trucks for the first time with all those swings and tables 
outside. There will be a huge celebration the first time our student ministry uses their brand new facility in the student center on a Sunday night. But I promise you this, as exciting as those things are, as exciting it is for people to give financially, God wants more than decimals. He wants disciples. He wants people who just say, this is where I'm at, Lord, but I'm going to surrender and I'm going to sacrifice. And if the willingness is there, if there's the right heart behind it, don't worry about how much it is. It'll be acceptable. It's a big week for us to pray together. When you leave, you're going to get one of these cards. You're going to get um, one of these handouts. That's a prayer guide to take a drive this afternoon and go and pray over our community some. Because what I want to challenge each of us to do is think about not how much money we're going to give, but how we're going to be a part of God's heart to be for one for families, and for Birmingham. And we're going to close out a little different today and really just a posture of prayer. Because this is, i got to make a decision with me and my family with a conversation between us and God. And you got to make a decision with a conversation between you and God. So I just want to help us start that conversation this week. And here would be my ask of you. Would, would this be your prayer Lord, whatever you want to do, however you want to lead me, I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. So I invite you just to a posture of prayer, wherever you're at. Turn your attention to the screen.